For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> Damn it, front Somebody tell him he's a rookie. And welcome into the show, everybody. Clipper Nation, what's going on? Jesse Cass here with you for another brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. We hope that you're all safe, quarantined well, and have plenty of supplies and are doing the best you can through all this craziness with the coronavirus. We know, of course, uh, pretty much anywhere you are, it's unavoidable, but stay inside, stay safe, and as we've said the past couple of weeks, going to try to keep providing some entertainment for you here on the Believe Podcast Network. And of course, the NBA is still suspended. No real return in sight. We've seen a few things here and there about maybe the NBA trying to follow the model that China is trying to do right now, the Chinese Basketball League, uh, where they are looking at potentially kind of having everyone in one or two places where they can keep everyone contained in the same area, monitor them, and try to keep everyone healthy and safe during this time. So the NBA might need to do something like that, where you're looking at teams playing in one or two arenas or gyms, might not even be a full arena, but I think the idea of fans in the stands, at least for the foreseeable future and likely the rest of this season, if there is a season, is really slim to none at this point. So hopefully we can get back to basketball at some point, but obviously there are much bigger issues at hand and just have to kind of go with the flow in terms of that and hope that everyone can try to stay as safe and as healthy as possible, which is of course, our wish for all of you out there. So as we do get into the show here on the Believe in Clippers podcast, before we really get going, I want to let you know, as always, this podcast is available wherever podcasts are found, including Apple, where we really appreciate you rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. And anywhere else you can listen, it's available there as well. Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And also the show is available, of course, at Believe.com, where there are over 200 shows, which are all continuing to roll along through this quarantine and lockdown period. So if you're looking for more entertainment, more podcasts to listen to, there's plenty on the network. So go ahead and check that out as well. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass for any updates on this podcast and Clippers basketball and, and anything you need there. I got you covered. So thank you again for tuning in to, to this week's episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast. As we know, and we've talked about, there's not basketball going on right now, but uh, we're going to keep you updated on the latest news for the Clippers, a uh, pretty big breaking news in terms of their new arena aspirations and hopes as Steve Ballmer closing a deal to buy the form and pretty much knock out any roadblock to creating and building a new arena in Inglewood. So we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. And then also going to bring in my dad, my father, to join us as a guest. He's the one who really started my love for basketball as that's something he instilled in, in me and my sisters and my whole family as he played basketball growing up in Brooklyn, New York, and great point guard for St. Anne's High School, went on to play Division One basketball at LIU, and of course, most importantly for this specific podcast, he was the one who got the season tickets at the sports arena to get our love for the Clippers going when they were one of the worst teams, a laughing stock in the league, but we were able to watch basketball up close and, and in person, had seats in the, in the third row for a couple of years, so really getting to see it as close as you could at a really young age 
just kind of let that love for basketball expand greatly. So I'll have my dad on the show. We'll be talking about some of our favorite Clipper moments and really just anything that arises through that conversation uh, regarding the Clippers and basketball. So that'll be coming up in just a few minutes. But before we get there, did mention Steve Ballmer really continuing to just be the exemplary owner, one of the exemplary owners in the NBA. Uh, of course, we mentioned the arena deal, which we'll get into as well, but donating $25 million in the COVID-19 relief and in different areas, especially the ones that he's most connected to in terms of Los Angeles, Seattle, and Michigan. And it also includes $10 million to the University of Washington's Medicine and their Emergency Response Fund to speed up testing for a vaccine. So a great gesture, and much more than gesture, a great, a great act by Steve Ballmer, $25 million to help during this global pandemic. So just another great kudos to Ballmer for continuing to seemingly always do the right thing, which is obviously such a stark contrast from former owners of the Clippers in the past and other owners uh, around sports as well. There's obviously a lot of other great ones who are doing tremendous things to help, but there are some that are kind of sitting on their hands and doing nothing. So it's great to see that, that Ballmer is doing that and Never one to be shy about throwing around his money. Of course, $2 billion to buy the Clippers, to take it away from Donald Sterling. And now $400 million cash to buy the Forum from James Dolan and the Madison Square, company, Madison Square Garden Company excuse me, uh, to clear the way, as we said, for a new stadium in Inglewood for the Clippers. And just another money-making venture with the Forum, which Steve Ballmer, by all indications, is going to keep open as a, as a music venue, which has become... Such a great music venue in L.A., really intimate and fun, exciting venue there. So it'd be great to see that open and continue to thrive in, in the community of Englewood. And then you build in what is going to be a state-of-the-art, incredible basketball arena for the Clippers. Throw that in next to the Rams-Chargers arena that's coming in this year. And once we are back to normal life, which will hopefully be sooner than later, those will be really incredible, exciting things, not only for the Clippers and the NBA, but also for Englewood and the city of Los Angeles. It's going to be incredibly exciting and it's I think about time not only for the Clippers but just for LA in general and you see outside of Clipper fans of course not shockingly the biggest reactions are from Laker fans who always for whatever reason despite having one of the best franchises in sports history so incredibly insecure that they have to comment on every single thing that happens with the Clippers uh, you know talking about being excited to not have the Clippers in their building which is great it's fine uh, and I'm sure the Clippers are even more excited because they're the one who who really get the short end of the stick at the Staples Center. We've seen it year after year. We've heard Doc Rivers bemoan and complain about it where they often have the, the 12.30 starts on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, sometimes back-to-back. They always get the last choice of scheduling. That won't be an issue now. They can have more of their primetime games and, and really control their schedule a little bit more uh, to give themselves just another advantage as they continue to be one of the premier teams in basketball. And this is such a, a big time win for Steve Ballmer again. And James Dolan, I'm sure happy he came away with a big profit and buying the forum and turning it around from eight years and getting a big return and the four hundred million uh from Ballmer. But where this thing was a year ago, a couple months ago, with the legal battles and just kind of the nasty back and forth, I think both parties are happy, but you look at Ballmer, he gets the forum, which he can then, you know, transform even more and turn into an even better music venue than it already is, which is great. And then he's able to build the Clippers Arena. I think it's just a huge win for him and for the team and the fan base. It's going to be amazing going forward. So Steve Ballmer continues to 
be really the perfect owner for the Clippers, and it's been that way since the moment he arrived, and now we've seen not only the the transformation on the court, becoming one of the best teams, but now continuing to be one of the best franchises and just taking that step forward now with finally getting an arena of their own, one that's actually nice, not like the sports arena, which was a dump, or sharing the Staples Center. They're going to have their own state-of-the-art arena. It'll be about time. I believe 2024, I think, is the, the projection, but that'll be a, a huge sight for the Clippers. Hopefully, at that point, they have a couple of championship banners that they can raise uh, in that building once it's opened up. So with all that said, as we said, we have a, a lot more fun coming on this episode. It'll be a conversation with me and my dad coming up, talking about a lot of great Clipper history moments, trivia, whatever you need. We'll have it here on this episode. But first, we'll have a quick word from our sponsor, True Classic Tees. This podcast is brought to you by True Classic Tees. And what better time than right now to be comfortable at home while you're locked down in quarantine with a super soft, super nice, Classic Tee from True Classic Tees. They're soft, they hold up in the wash, and they're incredibly versatile. You could wear them out, or of course right now, you can wear them in. And the best part, only $15, and now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. All right, and we continue here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. I'm now join on the phone by my dad, Robbie Cass. Dad, thanks so much for joining on the on the podcast here. It's it's my pleasure and an honor to be here with you. <laughs> First of all, obviously, just uh, how you doing? Comfortable and safe during all this this crazy time? It is unprecedented. I've been living a long time and I've never quite seen anything like this. But I have to believe, as I've seen many things over the past many many years, and I I say this too shall pass. I'm just hoping that our federal government does what they're supposed to do and give the governors of each state exactly what they need or are asking for. And um, a New Yorker, uh, born and raised, um, I have tremendous empathy for the borough of Queens right now in particular, Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. I have a lot of friends from the borough that I grew up with, um, played basketball with uh, in high school and college. And um, I know the suffering that's going on there. and. Uh, I know the facts that they don't have enough equipment, ventilators, gloves, masks, everything that the federal government is purporting to say they do, they don't. So um, I'm just hoping uh, that now finally, not to make this a political conversation, (laughs) but now that Trump has finally signed into effect the National Defense Act, which basically enforces and lets him dictate to private companies to make ventilators that that will finally come to fruition now yeah i mean we can only hope and hope that gets done as quickly as possible we talked about it a a minute ago on the podcast that steve ballmer as he is known to do donating 25 million dollars to to help out with the relief efforts so hopefully other billionaires and and you know high money making people do the same couldn't agree more couldn't agree more couldn't come at a more needed necessary time yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the, the New York roots of, of course, you and our entire family. We have our, our Knicks fandom, but obviously, of course, a great deal of Clippers love and fandom as well. Uh, that really started for us when we moved out here, when, when I was a baby and we started going to games at the sports arena. What led to the decision to get tickets at the sports arena and see, see Clipper games rather than going to a Laker game or, or anything else in the area? 
Well, that's a good question, and I think it's just the reality of the situation. When we moved to Los Angeles, uh, it was the it was the July of the year that you were born in 1988, I believe. Um, and um, at that time, it was the height of the Los Angeles Lakers success, um, back to back to back championships, I believe, and getting a seat at the time, uh, a good seat at the time at the Great Western Forum, was problematic to say the least. Um, and having grown up, as you had intimated, a New York Knicks fan, when I was a kid, uh, the best seat I could afford was the blue seats at the New Garden. And before that, at the Old Garden, where I actually saw Bill Bradley's first game as a very, very young boy, um, uh, I sat behind a pillar. And I remember being very upset <laughs> with my uh, older brother because I couldn't see half the game because there was a, a pillar in front of me. And I, I promised myself that uh, as I got older and hopefully achieved a certain level of success, that if I was ever in a position to get tickets for myself as a grown-up grown and any of my kids, that it would be a very, very good seat. And what it uh, basically, um, uh, when we moved out to Los Angeles, um, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers had basically arrived there just a little while before that. And at the sports arena, I actually could get uh, courtside seats uh, for the LA Clippers at that point um, and I just thought you know what let's just go see great basketball um, I wasn't necessarily looking to become an LA Clippers fan I just missed the game and it made me feel good being around a game that I had grown up with and certainly um, all of uh, uh, the family members uh, you and your sisters uh, became very very uh, quick and steadfast <laughs> basketball fans um, very quickly. Uh, it's hard not to when you're seated courtside at a professional basketball game. So um, that was the mindset, just to uh, be able to um, bring my kids to, to games and watch great basketball um, and basically get acclimated to being in Los Angeles and 3,000 miles away from home. Yeah, and we did get to see, obviously, a lot of bad basketball, but... A when the opponents came into town, a lot of good basketball as well. I know we were, we were there. I was very young at the time, obviously, about I think five or six years old when we saw David Robinson win the scoring title by scoring seventy-one points at the sports arena. Um, so Madonna, Madonna rushed the court that that that, that <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't know if you even remember that. I think Dennis, Dennis Rodman was on the team. I think she was dating him at the time. Oh, it's um, a good throwback. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, there was a. Um, there were obviously a lot of great players from that period. Um, you know, whenever you can go to a game and see Michael Jordan play and see Isaiah Thomas play and see Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all those other great players that the Lakers had, James Worthy at the time, and, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, and not to mention, once a year, our New York Knicks would come into town, um, which always was a, a joy, at least for me at that yeah. time, to get to, you know, to, to bring the kids to see to see our hometown team play. Um, so it, it was, uh, you know, a combination of factors. But seeing, uh, and we did see some great basketball players. We may not have seen a lot of great games because at the time the Clippers <laughs> were not very competitive. But uh, now and then they made some efforts and uh, there were some competitive games. And um, it, was a, it was a great atmosphere at the sports arena. I just, I, I, I remember, you know, having grown up in Brooklyn and, and Chris Mullen um, uh, being um, someone that uh, was a bit 
a little younger than me, but certainly of the same era. Uh, and he played at the very end high school back in Brooklyn, and um, it was great to see him in his rookie year out here. Um, and, uh, you know, again, a lot of great players from New York City. Uh, we saw Mark Jackson, who actually was a, an L.A. Clipper when I started to bring you guys to the game, Bishop Lachlan High School in, in Brooklyn. Um, I can go on and on. Kenny Smith. <laughs> played at Archbishop Malloy in Queens and, um, you know, Mario, Mario Ellie, who was a, actually a friend and someone that I would play in tournaments at the West 4th Street Park in, in, in Manhattan. Um, you know, it was just great to see and have a connection with some of those guys that made it to the pros and, and had that sort of New York bloodline. Yeah, and you, I mean, what really built, I think, the love of it, obviously, you know, I love to play it myself as well, but just going to all of these games, and then I remember we would go to these games maybe one, two hours ahead of time, and with these seats that were in the second or third row, being able to get there early, see these players warm up, meet a lot of these players from both the Clippers and the opposing teams, and all these pictures we have now uh, in the archives of, of me. And, I, I've got to tell you, <laughs> I think one of my biggest thrills was being able to have and I don't remember if it was you or one of your sisters posed with Calvin Murphy, who in my <laughs> mind growing up was probably certainly the greatest college basketball player I had ever seen, um, along with Ernie DiGregorio, two very, very different type of players. Calvin Murphy was probably 5'8", five, 5'9", five, could dunk easily, easily yeah. um, from a stand, standing jump position underneath the basket. Um, extraordinary shooter one of the greatest ball handlers ever and one of the toughest, toughest basketball players uh, who I've ever seen play. I think there was a, there were a couple of uh, altercations he got into with no one um, who was under six, seven, six, eight that he didn't win every <laughs> single one of them. And back in that day, um, they let people fight. Then he started breaking this up. There was an actual fist, fist fight. Oh, I think it was Sidney Wicks that he actually maybe knocked down uh but there there were um you know there's some great stories and some great players but um yeah no there's um you know uh there, there are obviously people and i think you might remember this um um uh probably one of the greatest basketball lecturers ever hubie brown who yeah. didn't have a bad head coaching career as well um uh, I remember, I believe you're you, you're in a photograph with uh, Hubie Brown when he started his uh, his, his broadcasting career. I yeah, mean, I was about maybe four or five years old, but I'm, I have we have that picture. Yeah, and of course it gave me a big big thrill to have Walt Frazier and you, and I think your your cousin at the yeah uh, that's right <laughs> get a photo with Walt Frazier, and obviously that's a that was my guy growing up in New York during the great run from the '69 New York Knicks uh, up until. Also, the the seventy two seventy three championship team. Um, so you know, it was a it was a great way to get all of you uh, sort of immersed, not only in the joy of of the game, but sort of keeping the uh, the lineage and the heritage alive, particularly with you know the connection to the New York roots of it all. Yeah, no question. And you talked about Madonna rushing the court. Uh, you also rushed the court when the Clippers... Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Uh, much to my own horror after the upon reflection, but, you know, you get caught up in the excitement of things. I think um, it may have been a situation where the Clippers were on one of their long losing streaks. Um, 
may have been one of those 18-game losing streaks, in fact. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I don't remember the specific team that they wound up beating to stop the losing streak, but um, it was enough for me to get uh, uh, enthralled enough to take a step or two onto the court and, you know, give a couple people some high fives at the time. Um, I think we all deserved it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, you know, there was still a lot of money being spent on tickets, even back then. And, uh, you know, it's hard to go and, and see a, a basketball game and see a team give 100% each night and come up short. So when they finally managed to uh, succeed, it was enough to get a former a former basketball player excited enough to sort of join the, join the festivities, you know? Yeah. I know that a lot of you that love sports out there also love to get involved with some sports betting. And we know that it's a little bit quiet right now, but don't worry. You can still go to betonline.com. Doesn't matter. No NBA, no NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. But with BetOnline, there's still hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And don't worry, sports aren't totally done just yet. There's still mixed martial arts, American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and their $750,000 poker series. So a lot of fun to be had. So don't hesitate, go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, the fun never ends. And obviously we saw, we saw a lot of losing basketball, as you mentioned, but we kind of took our break from the sports arena. They moved to the Staples Center, and then we kind of got back into going to a lot of games in the era where kind of that three, four year period where they were actually got pretty good for a minute before dropping off and then getting good again with, with the Elton brand, Sam Cassell, Corey McGetty, that team shut a young Sean Livingston. I I think I can recall the exact time. I think you may have been in, in, we were, we're probably, I believe we were at a Dodger game um, or coming from Dodger stadium at some event. And we had heard that the Clippers um, uh, won the rights to draft Blake Griffin. Um, and I think right there at the time, I called the account executive that I had dealt with <laughs> on the Clippers, and I said, "We're, you know, we'd like to come back in." Yeah. Um, I think it was uh, also a time where you guys had uh, aged up enough to truly appreciate uh, the game, and and also having the, uh, you know, the ability to sit in great seats and. Um, it gave me great pleasure to be able to do that. And uh, I think it was a great source of enjoyment for us. And, and it certainly helped helped all of us sort of spend quality time together, too. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that is unique to, to sports and especially teams that have really struggled like the Clippers did for so long is you kind of build that, that real connection to a team where, you know, we're, we obviously root for some other teams that have done really well, some other ones that have done poorly, but... To kind of have it, when you see it finally start to turn like it has for the Clippers now, all those years of being there and seeing some pretty awful basketball at times to see where they've come in terms of the team and the ownership and everything, coaching, uh, it just shows, it kind of pays off in that reward. No question. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and uh, we were talking a little bit before we started. We saw the great Ralph Lawler kind of tweet out his all San Diego slash LA Clipper 5. Um, we were debating it a little bit. He had Chris Paul, World Be Free, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Manning, Elton Brand. Do you have any 
Any objections to that, or is that right on par with what you would agree well, with? Well, I have him? to tell you, certainly I respect Ralph Lawler immensely. Uh, uh, he watched a lot of basketball over the years, and yeah. even a guy from the Midwest like him, who grew up with a very different, I think, uh, a different era, a different period, a different type of basketball that I grew up in. Uh, you know, it's funny, I still call him Lloyd Free, because when I was a freshman in high school, he was a senior at Canarsie High School, and possibly one of the greatest players I had the privilege of being on a basketball court in New York over the over one of the summers. He had a, a backcourt um, uh, point guard who played with him at Canarsie High School, um, O'Neal Tarrant. I think he was probably 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and could do everything Lloyd Free did back in the day and probably even better. One of the greatest point guards I've ever played against, for sure, uh, O'Neal Tarrant. Uh, but Lloyd Free uh, and ultimately World Be Free, uh, would certainly make my team uh, anytime. Uh, one, because I'm a little subjective about it. He's a Brooklyn guy, um, but he also was an amazing scorer. Off the dribble, uh, off a screen, creative, uh, and he could, if there was, um, um, I'm trying to remember if the three-point shot was in play when he was playing initially, uh, but his average jump shot was probably from 30 feet. And I'm talking about with guys hanging all over him. Incredibly athletic, incredibly gifted player. So he definitely makes my team. Hard to argue against Chris Paul, uh, possibly one of the greatest point guards ever as well. Um, you know, there's some question uh, about uh, his ability to, to, to truly make other players better. Um, but I certainly think he did so with Blake Griffin and I certainly think he did so with, with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he, he's, he's hard on other players. Um, you know, unlike someone like Magic Johnson, who I think was more one of those encouraging, slap him on the back, come on, let's do this type of player. Um, you know, Chris Paul has always been in your face. And how come you're not doing this? What's the matter with you? Why didn't you do this? So not every player is going to react well to that type of um, you know, sort of sensibility and, and, and personality, but regardless, you can't deny his talent as a point guard and, again, barely six feet and being able to do what he did and score like he scores and pass the ball like he passes the ball. Um, I've always been a fan of Danny Manning. You know, again, you can't argue the fact he's a champion, NCAA champion at Kansas, um, one of the first legitimate 6'10 guys who could handle the ball like um, like a Chris Paul, quite honestly, off the dribble, he could shoot. Extremely, extremely uh, terrific passer. A very, very smart basketball player. Uh, you know, unfortunately, injuries sort of curtailed his career. Um, but certainly for a short period of time, he was uh, one of the best basketball players in the world. No question about that. Um, Elton Brand was, he was just... Uh, as, as someone, a friend of mine from back in Brooklyn once described Moses, the great Moses Malone, half man, half mule. Um, I think you could actually say that about Elton Brand. Um, undersized, center, six seven, six eight. He sort of reminds me in terms of his physicality like the great Willis Reed. Although Willis Reed, for all of those too young to remember who were listening to this great podcast, uh, was the legendary New York Knicks center back in the mid-60s to early 70s. Um, undersized, he probably was 6'7". He was listed at 6'10". He wasn't close to 6'10". 
Um, no one on that team was as tall as they they thought he was. Dave DeBuscher was probably six four. Um, they listed him at six six. Yeah. Um, you know, it just was a different era back then. But um, you know, Elton Brand could rebound the ball like anyone in the game uh, in terms of being a being a, a terrific, terrific defensive rebounder off off the offensive glass. He certainly makes that team for me. No question about that. Um, I'm trying to think who the other two players that that were listed that Ralph Lawler had listed. Who else was it? Uh, I mean, you got four of them, and then Kawhi Leonard was the fifth one. And Kawhi Leonard. Well, come, come on. I mean, as Hugh <laughs> Brown likes to say, I mean, come on. You know I mean, how can you not have Kawhi Leonard? Uh, Kawhi Leonard is possibly the best player in the league right now. So, yeah. yes, Kawhi Leonard makes that team for me. Um, yeah. Easily. I'm, I mean, easily. I mean, there are some, obviously, those are all names that he said. You, if you put them on the list, it's hard to really dispute them. I think there are certainly... A few others that could go on there. Obviously, I think Blake Griffin is the first name that comes up just for statistically what he did. Mm -hmm. But obviously, part of a lot of winning teams, and I think part of the biggest cultural transformation of the team, really he started the kind of push toward what they are now in terms of getting them to be an attraction and a winning team. So obviously a lot surrounding the game that he kind of brought to the team as well. Um, You know, Between him and Danny Manning, similar numbers with you know, a slight edge to Blake Griffin, but obviously uh, a little bit different type of players. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Listen, talent-wise, it's hard to keep Blake Griffin off, a, a young Blake Griffin off any uh, all-time great uh, sort of top-five Clipper player team. Um, I think, again, a lot of it comes down to um, um, eras uh, and also did, did Blake Griffin make his teammates better players? Uh, did uh, Danny Manning, could Danny Manning ultimately do more things with the basketball than Blake Griffin? Uh, certainly, you know, when he was healthy. So I think there's, you know, there's certainly arguments back and forth, but um, um, I certainly wouldn't dispute or have a hard time if Blake Griffin was given a spot on that all-time uh, Clipper team, for sure. Yeah, some other ones who said it's hard to, to really take him off the list, but some other ones that I would throw in there, at least for contention. I do think if he plays enough years and is healthy in himself, we'll probably put Paul George on that list as well, uh, along with obviously Kawhi with what he can do. But then you throw in, I think Sam Cassell came to mind for me, because again, just the the culture shift. You talk about those mid-2000 Clipper teams. They didn't really become a real playoff threat and team until Sam Cassell got there and became their leader. So he's another one that that really stands out to me as well. I think that's certainly very viable. And again, uh, speaking of great uh, guards, point guard, shooting guard, combination thereof, hard to argue that Lou Williams shouldn't be on anyone's all-time great team. I mean, again, I've watched a lot of basketball, and I don't think I can recall anyone on the pro level who seemingly makes it as easy to score the basketball as Lou Williams with his physical stature. Yeah. I mean, in all in, in all due respect, he's slight. He's probably 170 pounds, if yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not uh, certainly going to beat anyone posting them up or anything of that nature, but he can score anywhere on the court against any player, off the dribble, off the screen. Um, that's something that not every player has the ability to do, certainly. Um, Lou Williams would have to be someone I even would... Uh, 
uh, put him very close to Chris Paul uh, in terms of making that that first five. No question about that. Um, you know, I just he just does it year in and year out. He does it off the bench. He can do it starting a game. Um, he is just prolific at what he does and uh, extremely underrated. Just extraordinarily underrated, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no question. I mean, the fact that I don't believe he's made an all-star team um, is shocking to me, considering his talent. And considering, I think, and I think this is how you can gauge an all-star, the respect that they have amongst amongst their fellow players, their peers. And I think um, if you went around the league and asked them to give them the guard that they don't want to have to guard, I think Lou Williams is one of their one of the first players that they would say. Yeah. He embarrasses people. Yeah, and he's, uh, game in and game out. You know, and last year he definitely should have been an all star. This year it was a little bit tougher for the field. But you mentioned, yeah, just yeah. last year in the playoffs, Kevin Durant, who of course was tearing apart the league. You know, he showed his respect for Lou Williams, just saying there's there's really nothing you can do to guard him, and he had him on his list of the five players that he wouldn't want to guard. So, right to your point, one of the best players in the game, talking about how much he appreciates and, and admires Lou. Right, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Looking for a job can be very tough and tedious, and especially in times right now, can be even more difficult. So right now you need to find the perfect place, and the perfect place to hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide, and LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person first. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And I know from personal experience, the Believe Podcast Network uses LinkedIn. That's how I found the network. And they have found a lot of great and qualified people through LinkedIn. So don't waste any time. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So with, with Lou and this current team, we obviously know the season is suspended. We don't know if it'll come back or not. If it does, it'll probably be without fans in some kind of different capacity than we're used to. But if the season does come back, this is still a championship a team with championship aspirations. What do you see going forward if they do get back to playing? Uh, how much does that affect this team? And would they real have the real shot to win the title uh, if play continued this season? No question. I actually think in this particular case, without the fans, actually favors the Clippers more than it does the Lakers. Um, and I say that because they both play in the same arena uh, at at. at, at Center in downtown LA, and that has and will always be a Laker home court, whether it be uh, technically a Clipper home game uh, or not. Uh, that's a Laker home court. Uh, where, whenever they play, I would dare say, even when it's a Clipper home game, technically, it's an eighty percent Clipper, eighty uh, percent Laker fan base. Yeah, um, and it's very hard to. You know, for, for on, on a home court game for the Clippers to feel um, that type of uh, fan support when, for the most part, the fans are cheering for the Lakers. So I actually feel 
that if that were to come to fruition, unfortunately, and there was no fans allowed and it was sort of played almost like a, um, a glorified playground game, yeah. um, I think the Clippers would win. Um, no question about that, uh, particularly since there's no, you know, no fans sort of uh, making the referees uh, make calls a certain way, um, whether subliminally or, or, or overtly, and I just think the playing field is leveled. Um, and I think if that's the case, talent-wise, I think 1 through 12, uh, the Clippers have a stronger team. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree as well. And I think if there's if there's any player in particular who can go through his routine and be kind of the same, whether there's fans or not, and be unbothered, it's, it's probably Kawhi Leonard, as he seems to be the same no matter what the situation is. I absolutely agree. I agree. Um, and, you know, listen, those great players, they're going to play well wherever they are yeah. home away uh, certainly you can say that about LeBron I think you can say that about Anthony Davis uh, but I don't think you can actually say it about a lot of the other Laker players or Clipper players to be perfectly honest I just think talent wise if you go uh, from the fourth player on your roster down to your 12th that the Clippers are going to come stronger uh, uh, game in and game out both Defensively, uh, certainly defensively, and I think quite honestly, um, shooting the ball as well. Yeah, and I, mean, I think we've seen it in the three matchups so far. The Lakers, I mean, to their credit, have had kind of a big game from one of those third guys, whether it's the first game it was Danny Green, the second it was Kuzma, the last game it was Avery Bradley, but kind of relying on that, whereas the Clippers can have maybe three or four of their guys have an off night and still be a deeper and more complete team with especially now with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and really all these guys they can throw, throw at you even if one of those other guys is not having their best night. I agree. Absolutely agree. All right, Dad. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show and making the phone call. Obviously, it's, a, as you said, an unprecedented and difficult time, but the one good, you know, shining uh, silver lining through everything is our ability to, to stay connected through all the FaceTimes and calls that we're doing now. So thanks uh, for, for coming on the show. It gives me... <laughs> It gives me no greater joy and, and makes me uh, beyond proud to be able to sit down and, and do this with you and someone who at your young age is so accomplished and so good at what you do. And uh, I can give myself a slight tap on the back <laughs> and say maybe I had a little part to do with that. But you know what? I, I just feel it makes me uh, – it's the greatest joy that I could I could ever hope for or achieve to be able to not only do this with you on a professional level but – also to watch afar and to see uh, just how talented and gifted you are at what you do. Uh, I'm extremely proud. Well, you know, it's all because you because of you, and obviously we mentioned setting it up through through all these Clipper games through the years and, and getting that love going. So <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's all good. Well, now the now all of your listening audience knows uh, of 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 the you know the the incredible uh, incredible love we have for each other in this family. So for that, I'm also very, very grateful. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, as we said at the top of the show, now you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, and also find us wherever podcasts are available. And as always, we'll keep you updated on everything going on with the NBA, with this pandemic. Uh, and try to keep you entertained through it all. So thanks again for tuning in here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.